Du lyssnar på en podcast från Studentradio 98,9. Alla våra poddar och program hittar du på studentradion.com eller där poddar finns. Welcome to Radio UF. You're listening to Student Radio 98,9. Today, me, Christian, I have two other people here. Uh, would you like to present yourself? Yes, my name is Sara. Uh, I'm studying peace and conflict studies, and uh, I will be talking about Kyrgyzstan today. Yes, and my name is David. I'm a student of politics and linguistics, and I will talk about Iran. Great. And today's subject, if you do not know, is women's rights in certain part of Asia. And we will begin with Iran and uh, continue our journey to East. But first, a song. That was This Is Why by Paramore. You're listening to Radio UF at Studentradion 98,9. I give the word to David, which will speak about Iran. Yes, so uh, if you have followed the news, you know that there has been protests in Iran for uh, 17 days now in a row after the young woman Massa Amini or Gina Amini was uh, killed when she was in custody after being arrested by the morality police for not uh, having weared her hijab correctly, according to the police. Uh, And the latest news there is that the supreme leader has finally uh, said something about the protest and he's, of course, blaming it on Israel and uh, the West. But um, let's start with some background. In uh, in the 1930s and 1940s, uh, women in Iran were actually forbidden from wearing uh, uh, an Islamic veil. And uh, some of them did not even go outside during that time. Um, But uh, the prohibition was later lifted. But when the uh, Islamic revolution happened in 1979, the veil had become a symbol for the protest against the the king, the the Shah. But uh, nobody thought that the veil would be compulsory. But one month after the revolution had happened in March 1979, uh, the supreme leader said that it would be compulsory. And later they retracted and said that no, he didn't mean compulsory in that way. But uh, uh, later, the same year, uh, they uh, said that anyone who enters an office who is working and who is a woman needs to wear the scarf. And after two years, I think, it became compulsory for any woman in the street. So this was uh, during the war with between Iran and Iraq also when the regime had... Uh, consolidated more power and um, yeah when there comes to to women's rights there are many um, areas where they don't have so much rights they cannot bike uh, they cannot sing solo not legally at least and i don't know what the situation is now but during the war if uh, a man was killed 
in uh, in the fighting then uh, his children would go to the custody of his brother like their uncle rather than the mother and of course also women cannot watch men playing football but when it comes to dress uh, there are some rules for men also like when i was living in iran i couldn't wear uh, shorts but uh, for women the rules are of course much more strict like they have to cover their hair at all, all time and also the body and the clothes shouldn't be too tight but it's quite arbitrary also it depends on where you are uh, in which city or even which part of the city like in some places it's okay to wear like uh, a loose scarf uh, rosary as they call it uh, and in other places it's uh, good or it's uh, recommended that you wear a, a chador which actually means tent in persian because it's so big so it's like a big mm-hmm. one piece clothing and also if you enter a mosque uh, just uh, scarf is not okay you have to like to wear uh, hardcore like chador uh, clothing in order to enter there um, but you usually don't cover your your face like mouth and nose they are usually uh, th- you can usually see those when i was studying in iran uh, i had also spent some time in um, in egypt where they don't have a compulsory veil but in some way it felt more like something that was enforced from above in iran mm. like uh, it didn't feel like women really wanted to wear it, like most of them. But whereas in Egypt, where it was not compulsory, maybe something like 80% or 90% were wearing it anyway. And of course, that's maybe uh, I can only speculate, but maybe they didn't. They they felt social pressure to do it. I really want to talk more about this, and I think we'll have an opportunity to uh, to Just, return to it. Yeah, we'll discuss it later. Yeah. But this time is song. That was Alvarligt by Jelassi. You're listening to Studentradio 98,9, and we're at Radio UF. I give the word now to Sarah, which will have a great uh, interview for us. Yeah, so when I prepared for this episode, I decided to focus on Kyrgyzstan. But I realized how little I know about this country and the other Central Asian countries. So I decided to try and see if I could get a little help from someone who uh, was better equipped to explain these issues than I was. And so I got a hold of uh, Bubusara Nurkamil, who is from Kyrgyzstan, and she studied sociology at American University of Central Asia in uh, Bishkek. And is now doing an internship at Central Asian Grupperna, which is um, an NGO based in Malmö. And so I asked her about her experience growing up as a woman in Kyrgyzstan and the general situation for women in her country. And we can listen to what she had to say. Since you are from Kyrgyzstan and you grew up there, could you uh, tell me a little bit about what it has been like growing up as a woman in that country and what issues you have faced? Of course. Um, so first of all, I should I should note that um, when talking about this kind of you know subjective experiences, it's important to take uh, into consideration that these experiences they often they are often shaped by different circumstances. The, the city, the area you live in, right? The environment you are socialized in, uh, and other factors. 
and of course, I mean, uh, besides your environment, like your friends uh, or school, uh, it, it's important to take uh, into account um, the family you live, you you were raised in. Well, in my case, I was born in a southern city of Osh, of Kyrgyzstan, where you know religious and conservative worldviews they predominate. But I grew up in a family which can be you know characterized as something in between, something like in the middle. Like my parents, they are quite traditional, but at the same time they, they you know they never went crazy like limiting me my opportunities just because I'm a girl. So, anyways, you know, they still, uh, like, I'm 21, and they still do not let me go out at night. <laughs> and if, even if I do, I get phone calls every hour because they, they're they afraid that, uh, I mean, uh, they worry about my security. And um, uh, besides family, uh, one of the issues that I, I faced and I still sometimes face in Kyrgyzstan is harassment. Well, especially in, uh, in the city where I grew up, like it's uh, the southern city that I mentioned, it, it's called Osh. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it was uh, barely possible to walk on the street without having some men staring at you, cat calling and so on and so forth. So um, I think this was one of the most um, like uh, issues that I faced uh, and that I can that I can highlight for now. And also, you know, Look-wise, appearance-wise, um, there was uh, and still a big pressure uh, that makes you want to fit the beauty standards. Like, it's not, uh, of course, only in Kyrgyzstan, but generally, globally, you know, generally in Central Asia, for females, that they have big pressure and strict beauty standards. You unconsciously, you try to fit in those beauty standards. So, in general, you know, I want to say that uh, the very fact that I or many other girls can acknowledge or recognize those issues is real issues. It's not common in Kyrgyzstan because we are brought up in this kind of setting. And again, unconsciously, we don't even question those things. So um, did you think that, uh, like what you're saying, that you are able to question these things? Was that common like in your environment or among your friends growing up? I actually began it like recently, mm. four or five years ago, because I started to attend a, a local youth organization uh, uh, where my you know, journey uh, about le- learning about feminism and human rights started. So then I realized, I started to realize that, oops, there's something, something, something is wrong, you know. Mm. And in my university, in my college, I also studied sociology. So uh, we were able to look up at this, at those things from sociological perspective. And the realization came by then, you know, not, for example, my school years, it was totally different. And my school school friends, I mean, we never questioned those things. Just, uh, again, um, it started recently. We'll continue the interview right after this song. That was More Than a Woman by E.G. We'll continue the interview. What would you say are the most important issues being discussed uh, concerning women's rights in Kyrgyzstan right now? Of course, uh, first of all, it's domestic violence. It unfortunately remains remains, uh, like very acute issue for a very long time. For example, I I was looking into statistics and... uh, Last year, there were almost 9,000 cases of domestic violence committed 
by men towards women and it was you know just registered cases and the unregistered ones they just stay within the family or relationships they never go public uh, and I think those unregistered cases I mean there are a lot of them and these cases of domestic violence they are becoming more frequent in Kyrgyzstan every year and often you know victims often it's I mean, women, they cannot go to the police because of fear, because of pressure. Even if the victims ask the police for help sometimes, it's very difficult to achieve real punishment for the for the aggressors because the aggressor can get off with a fine or community service. And uh, at the same time, the aggressor, he feels a sort of uh, impunity and he continues committing dom- domestic violence. And... I can give you some, you know, examples. Like two years ago, in January, uh, we were literally shocked by uh, reports from uh, two regions uh, in Kyrgyzstan, where two women they died after being beaten by their husbands. And then, just sometime, it became known that in another region, a husband dosed uh, his wife with gasoline and set her on fire. Imagine, and then in. In another southern region, a woman was hospitalized after being beaten by her husband. And it was only, you know, within two or three months. And these cases, they, they show how miserable the situation I think this is the most important issue that I want to bring up right mm. now. And we actually do it as a civil society. We bring these issues up um, to the forefront of public discussion. Let's talk about civil society then. Do they uh, work a lot with this uh, particular issue and maybe other issues as well concerning women's rights? Yes, yes, they do. Uh, I mean, the civil society in Kyrgyzstan, it's very active, it's very vibrant. When it comes to women's rights, um, in cases of domestic violence, civic activists, they usually go on protests, they usually go on marches uh, and demonstrations. There are, again, different types of these activities which promote women's rights and bring some important issues to the to the public discussion. For example, I recently wrote my thesis on art as an instrument for promoting gender equality in Kyrgyzstan. And I can say that artistic form uh, is one of the instruments that is getting uh, more popular right now. Uh, also, I can bring up an example. So there was a seminar a very, it's an exhibition, um, a very provocative in our context exhibition that uh, they reflected upon the economic and reproductive freedoms of women, uh, domestic violence, body image, mental health, sexuality, sexual objectification, and other various aspects of life, of everyday life. This method, they're actually very effective because they create a, a platform for, for discussions, for public discussions. They are very thought-provoking. They are sometimes very provoking for our context. And so people, you know, they actually start thinking. They um, they actually start discussing it and they start questioning things. So I think um, this is uh, when the change happens in their minds and their perception of these issues maybe changes, I believe. We'll continue the final part of the interview right after this song. That was Dragonfly by Bave. You're listening to Radio UF at Studentradion 98.9. And we'll finish the last part of the interview.
Let's talk about civil society then. Do they uh, work a lot with this uh, particular issue and maybe other issues as well concerning women's rights? Yes, yes, they do. Uh, I mean, the civil society in Kyrgyzstan, it's very active, it's very vibrant. When it comes to women's rights, um, in cases of domestic violence, civic activists, they usually go on protests, they usually go on marches uh, and demonstrations. There are, again, different types of these activities which promote women's rights and bring some important issues to the to the public discussion. For example, I recently wrote my thesis on art as an instrument for promoting gender equality in Kyrgyzstan. And I can say that artistic form uh, is one of the instruments that is getting uh, more popular right now. Uh, also, I can bring up an example. So there was a seminar a very, it's an exhibition, um, a very provocative in our context exhibition that uh, they reflected upon the economic and reproductive freedoms of women, uh, domestic violence, body image, mental health, sexuality, sexual objectification, and other various aspects of life, of everyday life. These methods, they're actually very effective because they create a platform for, for discussions, for public discussions. They are very thought-provoking. They are sometimes very provoking for our context. And so people, you know, they actually start thinking. They um, they actually start discussing it and they start questioning things. So I think um, this is uh, when the change happens in their minds and their perception of these issues maybe changes, I believe. That was a great interview, Sarah. Thanks for that. Do you have any final words you would like to say? I just want to say thank you to Bubu Sarah for taking the time to talk to me about this and giving me some clarity in the, the situation in her home country. Now it's time for music. That was Schlut by Shy Girl. You're listening to Radio UF at Strength Radio 98.9. And today I will present some or continue our journey to Pakistan and also India. And this is more in relation to women's rights in the society. Uh, I'll begin with Pakistan, which is ranked, unfortunately, as being one of the worst countries for women. Uh to give a reference for that is that they're ranked 167 out of 170 countries in women's health and well-being. And it's also estimated that roughly 28% face some kind of physical violence before the age of 50. Uh, because of high threat, most women work in domestic areas where there's, for example, no payments of wages. Uh, at the same time, because of the threats, they are more or less likely to visit uh, hospitals if they need any health cares. Uh, it's also at the same time the Pakistani government uh, have a huge bias in providing legal aid and do not uh, provide aid for women in working class. This has led to, to multiple of problems, especially unjust in the, in the social services such as education and health um, and because of the threat, as I previously mentioned, they don't, not, do not seek any, any social security. The UN estimates uh, that only less than 50% or roughly 48.6% of the woman, uh, Pakistani women get enough help in their reproductive health care needs. Because of this, there's huge disparities between women and men in Pakistan. This leads to also huge differences in literacy, but also wage gap. 
a lot of these issues stems from the patriarchy society that is the that is in the Pakistani society. As such, it is estimated around 1,000 women die each year by honor killing. Around 5,000 women face some kind of domestic violence, such as acids attack uh, and rape. So, of course, I mean, Pakistani uh, or Pakistan in general is not a very good country for women, and it's really unfortunate. Continuing on to its neighboring country in India, uh, where the situation, you could say, is more or less a little bit better than Pakistan. Uh, but there are at the same time some problems in, in the society there. Uh, one of the things is that uh, they don't see those issues as issues and they don't actually recognize it. And even to some extent, women don't recognize it because it's a more or less normal day for them. Uh, there are, for example, because of India's huge difference in, in both uh, cultures and also different kinds of religious uh people living in India, there is some kind of differences in seeing of these issues. For, for example, the one of the religions in, in India that, that see issues and recognize them is the Sikh, while on the contrary, Muslim communities do not see it at the same time. At the same time, also as India is quite large country, there's also differences in where you get or how you get treated. For example, those living in the Indian belt get or recognizes more of the issues while people in the south of India do not recognize these problems at the, uh, at the same level. Uh, at the same time, there are some questions that arise in India where there's problematic, even though they see themselves more uh, ju- injustice for women compared to Pakistan. There are some questions, for example, when, when they ask certain communities, like, for example, uh, who should be the mo- uh, biggest provider or the, the the biggest provider in the family? Some communities see it as men should always do that, and who should get the biggest benefit of the wall? It's still men. So in 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 general, there are still some big issues both to Pakistan and India, and we'll hope to see those issues get solved in the future. But now we'll have to uh, listen to a song. That was two thousand one by Fowls. You're listening to Radio UF at Central Nitiotakomania. And now it's it's time to maybe start discussing all the kind of topics we have brought up already on the show. Uh, maybe David uh, how I mean you you mentioned you you were back in Iran, you met different people. Did you or what time was was were you in Iran? So the first time was in 2013 and after that I have visited like Seven times, I think. I, I don't really remember. But the last time was in 2019. Okay. And did you see any, like, the issues that you see today in Iran, like where women actually, as you're foreign in the country, you're maybe they were speaking about uh, that they don't like this uh, hijab or having to wear certain clothes to, to fit the society and the rules? Well, uh, of course, like if you sit in a cafe and you see that uh, a woman's scarf is falling off every now and then and then she adjusts it, then you kind of understand that uh, she doesn't prefer to have it on her head from the beginning. And of course, also when you talk to people, uh, it comes up quite often that they don't prefer uh, the system as it is and they uh, would prefer to choose themselves how to dress. Yeah. And at the same time, considering the demonstrations and and the situation in Iran, I really hope 
mentioned that there is some concrete changes that happens in the country. I do know in, in for example, in Pakistan and in India, there are some usual uh, demonstration by women on, on example, for on Women's Day. But the problem is that, I mean, you have to get some results after a demonstration. So uh, hopefully there are some concrete changes both in Iran and also Pakistan and uh, India. But Sarah, you you had a really great interview with uh Bubu Sara. Yes, sorry. Yes, did you? I mean, I can imagine it's not much time we have here today. But is there something you want to add? Well, yeah. So uh, I asked her about this at the end of the interview, and I didn't include it. But um, she, I asked her about uh, whether she can mention something positive that is happening or something that gives her hope um, in relation to women's rights in her country. And she came back to the role of civil society. She mentioned it a little bit in the interview that Kyrgyzstan has quite a vibrant civil society. But she really said that she truly believes that uh, they they can make a difference and that people aren't quiet um, about these issues, but that they, they try to hold their government accountable. Um, so that's something that stuck with me. And I think... Uh, like all of our examples that we have brought up today uh, about of countries, they all have in common that people have actually taken to the streets and tried to demand change. And then whether that change is um, achieved or not is another question. But yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's very, I mean, interesting. I mean, how how old did you say that Bubu Sara was? Uh, 21. 21. Yeah. And it's quite very young f- to have both this amount of knowledge on on the, on the society there, mm. and also you know also know solutions and ho- be a- especially hopeful, mm. uh, because we really need this during these times. And I hope there is some good changes that we will face in the future. Yeah, it's very inspiring to have someone that young um, actually being voicing their opinions and and being very knowledgeable on on these matters. But other than that. Uh, I think uh, I don't have anything else. There's something you want to add? Uh, yeah, one thing, interesting thing also is that uh, although women have less uh, power, for example, in Iran and other countries, they also have less responsibility. Mm. For example, according to Iranian law, the, the man has to take care of the children and he's the only one who is responsible. And uh, also before a man and a woman gets married, they usually decide on a dowry like uh, an amount of money that the man has to pay to the woman but because she doesn't have her own economy he keeps the money but if they get a divorce he has to give her the money and because people want to give they want to say before they get married that we want to give a high amount that can be uh, quite a problem for some men Mm, very interesting we'll continue with our last song That was Feels Like Wasting My Life is Taking Forever by Less Big Bird. And we have reached our last session of Radio UF. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, I also want to point out a shout out. Follow us on Instagram and uh, other social medias. Uh, At Radio UF. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's right. Uh, and I, yeah, this is another session that we had on women's rights. Uh, We will come up with much more great examples on topics for upcoming episodes. 
Yes, also if you want to get involved, we're looking for new broadcasters, so uh, DM us on Instagram and uh, I will tell you how to get involved. Yes, and uh, any last words before we close? All right, well thank you so much for listening everyone. Yeah, have a great uh, week and see you next time. Lyssna på en podcast från Studentradio 98,9. Alla våra poddar och program hittar du på studentradio.com eller där poddar finns. Kom ihåg, att lyssna fritt är stort. Att lyssna rätt är större.